Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome to the second annual Inside Acting Radio Show Oscar Special. Now, the uh, 90th Oscars ceremony will be held this Sunday, March 4th. Tonight, we'll be talking about the potential winners with film historian Walter Frith. Walter hails from Hamilton, Ontario, and has been a broadcaster since 1985. Now, there's nothing Walter does not know about film. Matter of fact, you can find many of his retrospectives and behind-the-scenes write-ups about films on Facebook at handle Walter Frith 9, and that's actually Walter.Frith.9, and uh, Frith is F-R-I-T-H. If you go out there, he has many wonderful write-ups about just about every film that's out there. They're, they're very, very well put together, very well written. Now, you can subscribe to his YouTube channel, uh, and that's called A Day in the Life, and that's all caps. Now, tonight, we will be covering the following categories for the 90th Oscars. And we're going to start out talking about Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, Best Supporting Actor, Best Actress, Best Actor, and Best Picture. Without further pause, I give you Walter Frith. Welcome to the show, Walter. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. Fantastic, fantastic. Thanks for coming back on the show. Well, thank you very much, William. It's my pleasure, and thank you for having me once again this year. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about the best director. I know we've got several excellent directors out there this year, so talk about that. Well, what we have this year, first of all, is somebody who's been nominated eight times for an Oscar, not necessarily just for directing, but also for his writing and producing capabilities, and that's Paul Thomas Anderson. Now, he's nominated this year for Phantom Thread. Uh, That's a movie with Daniel Day-Lewis, up for Best Actor, and Leslie Manville, who's up for Best Supporting Actress. Now, this movie is about a fashion mogul, and the picture was set in the 1950s. And it's about the relationship he has with his wife and with his sister and how he is haunted by the death of his mother. Now, Paul Thomas Anderson is known for other films, uh, such as There Will Be Blood, uh, Magnolia, and for the film that got him his first Oscar nomination for original screenplay in 1997, which is Boogie Nights. Now, um, he's the veteran in this category. Uh, He's got the most nominations, but I think he has the least chance of winning. He was a surprise nominee. Actually, he edged out Martin McDonough, who was expected to get nominated for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and he did not get nominated for directing at all. So that'll be uh, quite interesting to watch. Yes, that's one of the things that's going to hurt the film's chances for Best Picture, but we will get to that all in good time. The other nominees Uh are Greta Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, and I think I read she's only the fourth woman in history to be nominated in the Best Director category. And, of course, we've only had one win among the ladies in history, and that was uh, Catherine Bigelow back in 2009 for The Hurt Locker. Um, We also have Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, 
who uh, surprisingly, uh, after all the films that he's made, all the great films he's made, such as the Dark yeah. Knight trilogy and going back to Memento and uh, uh, movies like Inception, this is his first nomination for Best Director. And um, yeah. he takes a very good look at the Dunkirk situation back in 1940 during World War II. One of the things I liked about this picture is that despite its lack of characterization, the picture is more about survival than it is heroism. And Christopher Nolan really makes a good statement with that with that scenario, yeah. and uh, I like him very much. Now, Jordan Peele for Get Out. Now, this was a great nomination because not a lot of people expected him to get nominated for directing. He was expected to get the nomination for original screenplay, uh, but yeah. it's well thought out that he edged out Steven Spielberg for The Post. Now, as you know, we have more than five nominees for Best Picture, but we only have five nominees for Best Director. The Academy expanded the Best Picture role uh, after 2008, from 2009 on, they nominate between eight and ten films every year, but the five directors have remained intact. And that leads us to uh, the last nominee, uh, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Now, this is the man who was way overlooked, in my opinion, back in 2006 for Pan's Labyrinth. Um, that's his best film to date. Uh, I even think it's better than The Shape of Water. It won three Oscars back then. It was nominated for Writing and for Foreign Language Film of the Year from Mexico. And he, the picture should have been nominated for not just Foreign Language Film, but for Best Picture. That happened to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon back in 2000. That was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film and for the actual Best Picture Award. And Guillermo del Toro has won just about every single award you can think of. The British Academy yeah. Award, the Directors Guild Award, the Golden Globe Award. And I don't see any competition in this category. I think it's his time, and I think he's going to win because he's been overlooked in the past and also because he just deserves to win, period. And that's the best director category. Okay, I'm. You know, I might have to. I don't know. I'm thinking. Uh, maybe Nolan, maybe Anderson. I'm feeling the Nolan Anderson vibe. <laughs> it could be. It could be. One thing about the Oscars that we've learned over the years, William, is that yeah, anybody can win. There's there's no longer a formula. Anybody can win. Anybody can be a surprise winner. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about best director first. Um, and by the way, I like your idea of counting backwards uh, from director to picture. It's really clever to do that. Now, one thing yeah. I've learned is that you, you, you would see going, let's go back to about 1970, say the last 45, 50 years. You would only yeah. see a deviation from the best picture and the best director maybe once every five or ten years. Well, in this mm. decade so far, from 2010 to 2017, I think it's been four times out of seven we've seen best picture and best director split and that was in 2012, where uh, Argo won Best Picture, but Ang Lee won for Life of Pi. 2013, where um, uh, Alfonso Curion won Best Director for Gravity, and 12 Years a Slave won Best Picture. 2015, mm. where Spotlight won Best Picture, but um, the Best Director was... Um, uh, Alejandro Inarito for The Revenant, and we saw it oh. happen last year where uh, Damien Chazelle won for La La Land, but Moonlight won Best Picture. So four times in the last seven years, which is unheard of in Oscar history, we've had a split between Best Director and Best Picture. So your theory of either Anderson or Nolan winning is very credible. It could happen. Anybody can win. Anybody can win, but there there are certain odds on favorites, and you can usually get an idea of who's going to win 
based on the Guild Awards over the, the months. You know how we have the Screen Actors Guild and we have the BAFTA Awards and the Directors Guild. You know, I started following the Oscars back in the early 80s, and you didn't have nearly as many awards as you have today. The, the number of awards has quadrupled or quintupled since then. So you never yeah. know. You have so much history to go on in the four or five months leading up to the Oscars. So that is that is interesting indeed. Yeah, let's move on to actress in a supporting role. Well, this year we have some good nominees. Um, the only person in this category who's been here before is Octavia Spencer. Uh, she won back in 2011 for The Help, and she's up for The Shape of Water. She's one of three people from the film nominated. We have uh, Mary J. Blige from Mudbound. Now, this was a Netflix movie that I didn't have to leave my house to see, and I was very impressed with it. As a matter of fact, uh, Mudbound uh, is also nominated for Best Cinematography, and it's the first woman in history to be nominated as somebody behind the camera, uh, operating and setting all the lighting and the angles and that. So that is impressive. Um, we have Leslie Manville from Phantom Thread, she plays alongside Daniel Day-Lewis in that movie. She plays uh, very well in the picture. We have Laurie Metcalf from Lady Bird. And we have Allison Janney from I, Tanya. Uh, now, Allison Janney uh, won, I think it was four Emmy Awards for playing C.J. Craig on The West Wing, which is uh, my second favorite TV show in history after The Sopranos. And she really made that show all that it was. And uh, she's won numerous awards for for that show and she's never really been been an actress on the big screen she's kind of making the move now to getting better parts in film but she's definitely a much better character actress uh, than she is a leading lady and I mean character actors you're going to find they're going to work for decades a, a character actor can have a career lasting decades where the big stars yeah. often fade out and uh, she is so good in that movie um, the story is about the rivalry between Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. We all remember that going back to, I think it was 1994, and yep. um, the qualifying trials which led up to the Winter Olympics. And Allison Janney plays Tanya Harding's mother in the film, and it's not a flattering portrayal at all. Now, we all know that true stories take license with what really happened, but from the, all accounts that I've read, they tried to be very faithful to the original characters. Tanya Harding worked quite closely on the film um, with the actual people involved. And she said that Alice and Jenny's portrayal of her mother is, is very accurate. And um, again, Alice and Jenny, uh, this is like Best Director. Alice and Jenny has won just about every award you can think of. And early in the year, I remember going back to September, October, when uh, award season started heating up. Laurie Metcalf was the favorite uh, to win for Lady Bird. And ever since that time, the momentum has shifted towards Alice and Janney. And I was looking at the odds makers. Um, I follow a site called goldderby.com, and they have mm -hmm. a lot of the journalists from North America, and they often they, they offer odds on all the winners in that. And it's very close. It's not like uh, we talked about in the last category with Guillermo del Toro sort of being a runaway favorite. Um, Lori Metcalf is creeping up, um, and she's in a very close second place uh, race with Alice and Jenny. So that's one category that I can see being an upset. Um, we don't really have much this year, and that's why I'm glad you saved Best Picture for last because there are no runaway winners in that category. And uh, we'll talk about who the uh, 
the, the big three-way races between when we get there. But right now it's looking like Allison Janney is pretty much the clear favorite, um, and Laurie Metcalf is a, is a close second. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, so it's heating up. So we're going to talk now about actor in a supporting role. Well, William, the first thing I'm going to say about this category is we're going to talk about a little bit of controversy here and how somebody stepped into one of the roles and got nominated uh, almost at the last minute. Now, Christopher yeah. Plummer, who won back in 2011 for Beginners, um, he got his first nomination, I think, a year before that. Um, he didn't start getting Oscar nominations till he was in his 80s, and this year he turns 89. Now, all the money in the world is Ridley Scott's look at uh, billionaire J. Paul Getty. Now, Kevin Spacey played the part of J. Paul Getty in that. When the um, allegations of sexual abuse against Spacey broke, uh, they had to uh, pull the film back into production, cut out Kevin Spacey's part, and Ridley Scott placed a frantic phone call to Christopher Plummer and asked him to step into the role almost immediately with no prep time to get into character. So that shows you what a professional Christopher Plummer is. Now, he had about two days to report to the set after reading the script, and they already got everything all done. They shot 18 hours a day for nine days straight to get Christopher Plummer into the film quickly. They had to work frantically with editors and sound people, and they had to bring uh, Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams back uh, for reshoots along with other various extras in the film. So Christopher Plummer got into this. He just barely finished the film, and it just barely got out there. Boom, he got a Golden Globe nomination for Supporting Actor. He even wondered how the foreign press saw the film so fast. So that is one very telling story I wanted to start this category off with because I find it very fascinating that he was so professional, he can get into a part right away, make it work, yeah. get nominated, and be up for an Oscar as well. So that is, that is the story of the year as far as I'm concerned with all the nominees we're talking about tonight. Now we have Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. Richard Jenkins has been a great character actor. He was nominated back in 2008 for The Visitor for Best Actor. Uh, he also played the father who was killed in the pilot of Six Feet Under, the famous HBO TV series, and he appeared at various times throughout the series as the ghost um, of, of, of Nathaniel Fisher. And uh, he, he's a wonderful actor. He's been in maybe 60 or 70 films throughout his career. And again, a very talented character actor. Um, doesn't have much of a shot, unfortunately, this year, but... Um, he deserves the nomination, nevertheless. Next, we have Willem Dafoe in The Florida Project. Now, Willem Dafoe gives this picture um, its heart and soul, in my opinion. He's the heart of the film that makes it work. Now, this is an independent film, and it's all about um, a Florida motel manager. And uh, he looks after a woman with a daughter, and she's on welfare, she's unemployable, she can't make her life work in any way, she's going to be stuck in the gutter her whole life. And he tries to offer help by being a father to her and a grandfather to her daughter. And he gives the film its heart and soul, as I mentioned, and the picture simply wouldn't work without him. And that is the whole point of why they call it supporting actor, supporting actors. You're supporting another performance, or you're the underbelly right. of a film. And... Um, he really is good. And, again, he was the odds-on favorite 
uh, like I mentioned in the last category, where Laurie Metcalf was, and then it shifted momentum towards Alice and Janney. Willem Dafoe was the, was the favorite in this category until things started shifting around to our next nominee, Sam Rockwell, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And I just watched that today, actually, uh, for the fourth oh. time. Um, wow. I'd seen it in the theater, yep. It just came yeah. out on video today, along with another film I'll mention later on down. And I watched it again. Now, Sam Rockwell is nominated in this category with Woody Harrelson. They're both up uh, for Best Supporting Actor. But this is one of those years where, despite having two people in the same category, one, I don't think they're going to split the vote, one really does distinguish himself. Uh, Sam Rockwell's character is this crazy, white trash, brutal officer who doesn't have any discretion in his job whatsoever, and he sort of has a life-changing experience where he begins to rethink his life and his career, and um, he's, he's quite good. Now, uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert here. I'll give people about five seconds if they want to just turn the volume down for a second there and talk about Woody <laughs> Harrelson's character. Now, he, he disappears about halfway through three billboards outside Ibbing, Missouri, but his voice remains in the film, um, in flashback when some letters are being read. And that's a very ingenious way of, of, of cutting a performance into a film. Um, you know, the character visually disappears halfway through, but is actually, for two-thirds of the picture, is kept in, in voice flashback. And he's very good, Woody Harrelson. He's been nominated twice before. He was nominated for playing porno publisher Larry Flint back in 1996 for The People vs. Larry Flint for Best Actor. And he was nominated in 2009 for a movie called The Messenger, which is really one of the most underrated films we've had in the last 10 years. It's all about a couple of, um, of Army representatives whose job it is to go around and tell civilians that their loved ones have been killed. And Woody yeah. Harrelson was very good in that movie. <clears throat> so again, I think you're going to see Sam Rockwell triumph for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. I'll be watching this category very closely for the two of them nominated. Can Willem Dafoe be the upset? And how well is Christopher Plummer going to be received for stepping into that role in all the money in the world very quickly? So that's yeah. that's it. Wow. So that's that's more of a toss-up, sounds like. It really is. It really is. It could be uh, – that's, that's the category where – we could have the big, uh, one of the biggest surprises of the night. You know, you could see the vote split, but uh, you never know. You know, Richard Jenkins' performance in that movie actually reminds me of Michael Caine and Hannah and her sisters. That was back in mm. 1986. And Tom Berenger and Willem Dafoe were nominated that year for Platoon. And Tom Berenger had won the Golden Globe. But by the time the Oscars got around, Willem Dafoe, who was nominated this year for the Florida Project, his performance in Platoon was just as well regarded. And the two of them split the vote, and Michael Caine had won because he had never really been recognized until that point. Caine had been in the movie business about 25 years at that time. He had never been recognized. He finally won an Oscar. Richard Jenkins, about the same amount of time in show business, same age as Michael Caine. You never know. He could split the vote, and he might win. So it's going to be a very interesting, uh, very interesting category indeed. Yeah, pretty much it. All right, all righty. So we've got coming up next. We've got the uh, best actress. Right. 
Well, in this category, I'm going to cut right to the chase and say that if any category, if you want to use the word lock, uh, even loosely, uh, <laughs> Francis, if you Francis McDormand has the market cornered here. Now, she was last nominated for uh, Fargo back in 1996, and that's a performance that she won for. She's been nominated a couple of times in uh, the supporting actress category for North Country. Uh, she was nominated actually for the first time way back in 1988 for Mississippi Burning. And then she was nominated in 2004, Almost Famous. This is her first Best Actress nomination in 21 years since winning for Fargo. And it looks like she's going to win again. Um, this is the... the, the uh, the performance that everyone's talking about this year for strong female leads. We all know how important the Me Too movement has been uh, with all yeah. the Hollywood scandals that have been going on. And I really like the fact that this, is, this performance is going to make a statement for really strong women. In fact, all of the women in this category this year um, – have a lot of merit for bringing strong female leads to the screen. And uh, her performance in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, as a grieving mother fighting for justice for her murdered daughter is uh, a film that I think a lot of people are going to remember. But I think they're going to remember the performance of her just as much as they will for the film. Now, the other women nominated in this category are Meryl Streep for The Post. Now, this is where you get into a situation where you're playing a real-life person. Uh, Kay Graham was the publisher of the Washington Post back in the 70s when they had uh, the scandal with Watergate and the Pentagon Papers and all of that. And that's what the Post is about. The Post is about the Pentagon Papers, and we won't talk about that too much tonight because people can research that and find out what it's all about. But it's sort of right. been a scandal, uh, like Vietnam and like Watergate, it's kind of been forgotten by the public. And I'm glad Steven Spielberg brought this subject to the big screen. And I looked at uh, old video online of the real Kay Graham in interviews back then and pictures of her. And Meryl Streep is, uh, is a dead ringer for that performance, and she's really good. I think I read where this is Meryl Streep's 21st nomination in history, going back to wow. her first nomination. Yeah, going back to her first nomination in 1978 for The Deer Hunter. And since then, she's been nominated uh, 21 times, I think it is. Among the, among the men, Jack Nicholson is the most nominated, but he pales behind by nine with a, uh, a record for the men of 12 nominations all time. So Meryl Streep is, uh, and she's not done yet. She's only 60, she'll be 69 years old this year, so she's got a lot, a lot left in her, I'm sure, and we will see her go on. Uh, the other nominees in this category... Our sorry, see Ronan for Lady Bird. Now, this is a good movie, Lady Bird. Um, I liked it. It's a coming-of-age story. Not exactly something new to Hollywood, but uh, nevertheless told from a really good angle of a very strong independent teen who we can all tell will be a very strong independent woman when she grows up. And uh, she has a, um, a Catholic upbringing. Her mother sends her to Catholic school where she rebels naturally. Because if you didn't have that conflict in the film, it wouldn't be any good. That's what films are based on. The good films are based on conflict, whether it's – well, the three basic forms of conflict. When you're taught this in school, if you want to go to school for directing or writing, are man versus man, man versus nature, and man versus himself. And uh, in the film, she struggles a lot with her faith and her independence and with her mother's kind of controlling nature. And she wants to break out and be someone – 
that nobody can control. And it's it's a very good performance. And she's a young actress, and she's she's got a great future. Like Jennifer Lawrence, the two of them are about the same age, and she's got a wonderful future if she doesn't win for Lady Bird. Now, we also have Margot Robbie um, in I, Tanya. She plays Tanya Harding. And again, uh-huh. she's like, like Meryl Streep in The Post. Uh, we're looking at a real-life character here. And she plays Tanya Harding very well. Uh, in fact, all of the characters in that film... I believe, had to study the uh, the actual films of the people they're playing. And she captures Tanya Harding really well. And she could be the surprise winner in this category. I talked about how good Meryl Streep is in the post, but Streep has won three times in the past for Sophie's Choice, Kramer versus Kramer, and The Iron Lady. And yeah. I think Margot Robbie could be the upset winner in this category if they're truly looking for a fresh face uh, to put out their... Uh, for the Oscars. Now, the last nominee is Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. Now, this is a performance, a rare performance of somebody who is mute. Um, We had, the last time somebody won for playing a mute character, I believe, it was also in the Best Actress category. It was Marley Matlin back in 1986 for Children of a Lesser God. Now, Marley Matlin was uh, deaf in real life, and her character has to speak in the film, but it's a great struggle for her personally. Sally Hawkins is acting the part, and uh, she's very effective in the movie. Uh, she's she's yeah. uh, she's mute in the film, but she's not deaf. She can hear everything going on. That's what her that's her character's nature, and uh, the way she connects with her workers, with the villains in the film, and with the creature that she takes pity on in the shape of water, she's she's very good and. Uh, I liked her performance a lot. Uh, last time I saw her, I think her last Oscar nomination was in 2013 in the supporting actress role. She played uh, she played Kate Blanchett's sister in Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine, and she was very good in that. And um, yep, a good category, five great female performances, and uh, I think the ladies could make the night here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So. Man, I'm just looking at this list here of uh, amazing actors. You've got actors in a leading role. Wow. Talk talk about those nominees. We have some really good people here this year. Uh, yeah. First of all, we're going we're gonna to get to the two veterans. We're going to get to Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread and uh, Denzel Washington in Roman J. Israel Esquire. Now, that's a film that has not been talked about very much, so I'm going to talk about that film and that performance first. Now, in that picture, now in real life, uh, Denzel Washington will be 64 years old this year. And in the movie, he pretty much looks like he's playing a character around that age. Now, his character is, is a, a liberal, a civil rights lawyer, someone who has fought his whole life uh, to make things better for people. And he gets into a situation, again, I'm not going to give too much away. I try not to give spoilers away in a film. But he gets into a, into a situation where... He is in way over his head, and it may it may cost him his life. Now, the picture was uh, was pretty much criticized by critics for being preachy and overwrought and pretentious. But Denzel gives a really good performance in that movie, and um, I thought his convictions are what sold the picture. His convictions, his character's convictions towards justice, and the things he wanted to see change um, are really good. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis, now he announced about, 
a year ago, maybe two years ago, that this yeah. would be his last film, and he's going to retire. I don't know. Daniel Day-Lewis is, I think he turns 60 this year. You know, a lot of times, you know, guys will say that, and then they'll be away for a couple of years, and they'll see how much they're needed, you know. That's why Steven Spielberg, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, Martin Scorsese, and the Coen brothers won't go away. And I don't want them to go away, because they see that the film industry needs this this injection of an adrenaline, right? And that's why these guys are in their 70s and 80s now, and they refuse to retire, you know? So Daniel right. Day-Lewis says he's going to he says he's going to retire, but he's won three Oscars in his career uh, for There Will Be Blood, uh, Lincoln, and My Left Foot. So whether this is his last film, truly, I don't think anyone can say. But um, I mentioned back at the beginning when we talked about Best Director, Phantom Thread is all about a fashion designer, and the picture was set in the 50s. And one of the things I liked about this performance the most is how this uh, film, set in its time, shows the main character, Daniel Day-Lewis, haunted by the memory of his dead mother. And it's, it's something that stayed with me. My own mother passed away three years ago after suffering from Alzheimer's disease for a long time. So when I saw this performance, I immediately thought of my own mother in, in, you know, in real life, and uh, it struck a nerve with me. And Daniel Day-Lewis is really good in this. I don't think he's going to win, though. I think, I think he's probably, and after I get to the other nominees, we'll talk about it some more. I think he, right. is, the, um, he, he is the second choice among – I think he'll finish second on the ballot – but I don't think he's going to win. But there are five Oscars between him and Denzel Washington. I mentioned the films mm. that Daniel Day-Lewis won for, and Denzel Washington is won for Glory, for Supporting Actor, and for Best Actor in uh, 2001 for Training Day. So a lot of people, a lot of actors will tell you it's more impressive if somebody wins in the supporting category and the lead category as opposed to just one, because it shows how diverse they are as a character actor and as a leading man. Now, we have Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name. Now, this is a movie that I was disappointed in. Um, it had nothing to do really? with it, yeah, I, it had nothing to do with the performances or the theme in the film. I just thought the picture was flatly directed. I just thought the picture was flatly directed. I saw so much potential in this movie, and I all, it, it's one of those movies where when, when the picture was over, I, I wanted to like get out really fast because I was just so bored with the picture, and it goes on mm. way too long. Way too long. I didn't care for the movie at all. Not not at all. And uh, I was disappointed with it, actually. But overall, though, there is one thing about this movie that I really do like. I like the way it was written. And it was written by 90-year-old James Ivory. You may remember him going back to the 1980s in all those Merchant Ivory productions like Howard's End, Room with a View, uh, Remains of the Day, getting into the 80s and 90s there. I'd like to see him win the Oscar for Adapted Screenplay because he's 90s, had so many years in the business. Uh, But Timothy Chalamet is in Lady Bird which we talked about for the performance by Sarosi Ronan. And he's actually better in that for a small supporting part that he has than he is in Call Me By Your Name. I I was disappointed in the film. I saw so much Mm. potential, but to me, the directing, I don't want to say it ruined it, because a lot of people did like it, but it's the kind of film that I didn't hate it, but it's worth only one viewing, and I didn't want to see it. But Timothy Chalamet... Deserves to be nominated in the film. He's he's pretty good, but he could have been a lot better. And um, now we have somebody who really has a bright future in Hollywood. Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. 
Uh, this yeah. performance, I mean, watching somebody play terrified in a movie, you know, his character starts out so calm, cool, collected. We build a real liking for this guy. And then he's put into that nightmarish situation that he has to deal with. And I thought he was really good in the movie. And uh, just his expressions when he's terrified, when he's being hypnotized, he sold the performance to me 100%. And this is not his year, I don't think. But I believe that he has got a bright future, and I believe he will get a lot more work. I actually remember seeing him. Um, the first movie I saw him in was Sicario, going back a couple of years. Uh, he plays one of the drug enforcement agents in that picture, and he works alongside Emily Blunt and Benicio Del Toro in that movie. And I didn't realize it was him until after I saw Get Out. Because we were watching Sicario, and I said to my friend, hey, that's the guy from Get Out. <laughs> and I recognized him <laughs> in that movie. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we, I watched Get Out today. I told you earlier that we had watched um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. It was released today. I also watched uh, Dunkirk earlier today, and I watched Get Out. And then we will get to the last film I watched when we get into the Best Picture category. But we cannot leave without talking about the person who I think will win. He's not quite as big a lock as Francis McDormand is for three billboards on yeah. Ebbing, Missouri. But Gary Oldman, yeah. uh, now, wow. you know, William, this is a guy who's been around for about 35 years. I remember seeing him back in the early 80s um, in, in a lot of different diverse roles. He's going to win for playing Winston Churchill in Darkest Hour. Um, Winston Churchill was picked not only as the greatest Brit of, let's say, the 20th century or that time in history, he was picked in a poll by the Brits as the greatest Brit of all time. And that says quite wow. a bit when you're talking about people like Shakespeare and many other great Brits who have lived throughout history. His performance as William, uh, sorry, as Winston Churchill is riveting. Now, I thought Albert Finney was good in an HBO TV movie called uh, The Gathering Storm back in 2002. But Gary Oldman blows him away. That's how good he is. Now, Gary Oldman has played, listen, listen to these characters, William. He's played Beethoven. He's played Sid Vicious, who was in the Sex Pistols. He's played yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald. He's played an Irish gangster. He played Count Dracula in Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, going back to uh, 1992, where Coppola was actually you know, gracious enough to call it Bram Stoker's Dracula, based on the literature. Gary Oldman is a terrific, diverse actor. And William, aside from this movie, he's got one nomination only for Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy back in 2011. Wow. Um, the TV movie was made famous in England back in 1979, where Alec Guinness played the famed character in the Cars, uh, story, John Le Carr's story, George Smiley. And Gary Oldman plays him in that. And that is his only Oscar nomination to date. It's hard to believe. So I think mm. that that fact, coupled with the fact that he's uh, never won. He's never won, and coupled with the fact that his performance is so good, I think it's going to give him the edge, and I believe he will win for Darkest Hour, with Daniel Day-Lewis being, I don't want to say a close second, but you'll be able to see him at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree with that. and I, It'd be great to watch uh, Darkest Hour and Dunkirk back-to-back. -back. Wouldn't that be something? Yep, now that's, that, that's what we're going to get into there. If I if I may take the liberty of proceeding into Best Picture there. Uh, that's there what I was go. going to say. Uh, Darkest Hour was the, <laughs> the other film we watched today. We watched it with Dunkirk, so no no, nice. no, uh, no word of a lie. Uh, it was released today with uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, 
which I said I already watched. Bought those two today, watched them both. I watched Get Out, and I also watched um, uh, Dunkirk with, uh, uh, with Darkest Hour. Now, the nominees for Best Picture we have this year, I'm going to go through all of them in alphabetical order, and we'll touch on each one. <coughs> we have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now, we will dispense with the, with the films that have no chance of winning. Uh, we'll start off with The Post, uh, directed by Steven Spielberg. This is the only nomination the film has, along with Meryl Streep. It isn't nominated mm. for writing, directing, and no technical awards, just Best Picture mm. and Best Actress for Meryl Streep. And I think it's a symbolic mm. nomination, based on what I was saying earlier about how the Pentagon Papers scandal has been sort of forgotten in history. Now, we have Call Me By Your Name, which I believe is going to win the Adapted Screenplay Award for James Ivory, but it hasn't done very mm. well in award seasons uh, anywhere else. Um, I also don't think Darkest Hour has much of a chance to win. Uh, Darkest Hour is nominated for six Oscars, including Gary Oldman, who we just talked about, who would probably win for that. It's up for cinematography, a bunch of technical awards, picture, cinematography, production design, costumes, and I believe music score, actually. And it probably is going to win for Best Actor and Best Makeup and Best Cinematography, possibly. But I think Blade Runner 2049 has the Cinematography Award this year pretty much locked up. Um, so Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, and The Post. I don't think have much of a chance of winning. Now, looking at the next three films that we have, we have Lady Bird, we have Phantom Thread, and we have Dunkirk. Uh, that's the middle of the pack. That's the middle of the pack. Lady Bird has a real shot at Greta Gerwig winning for original screenplay. But she is going to be going neck and neck with Jordan Peele for Get Out, who won. Jordan Peele won the Writers Guild Award, actually, for original screenplay. And James Ivory won for the Adapted Screenplay Award. Um, they're going to be going neck and neck for the Original Screenplay Award, Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele. So that could win. And you have to watch the Oscars carefully. You know, I talked at the beginning of the show how pitcher and director will split yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Oftentimes, a film that wins a writing award will win Best Picture over its competition. Happened two years ago when Spotlight won Best Picture. It could only uh, muster one other win, and that was for original screenplay. And then it won Best Picture. Despite the fact that Mad Max Fury Road had won six Oscars that year, The Revenant had won three, and yet Spotlight had only got one before Best Picture. But it was strong enough. Its writing Oscar was strong enough to carry it over the finish line. So you never know. Now, the films at the top of the pack that have the best chance of winning mm. are Three Billboards, Outside Ebbing, Missouri, The Shape of Water, and Get Out. These three films are the finalists uh, going into the final stretch. Now, I want to talk first about Get Out. It's nominated for Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay for Jordan Peele, and Best Actor for Daniel Kaluuya. I just mentioned a moment ago that Jordan Peele won the... Uh, Writers Guild Award this year for original screenplay. If he wins that award on Sunday night, that film has a real chance at Best Picture, so watch out for that. Now, The Shape of Water, I mentioned that Guillermo del Toro was a lock for Best Director. Now, this got this is the granddaddy of all nominees this year. It got 13 nominations. That's mm. the second most in history. Um, only two films in history have gotten 14 nominations. They are Titanic and All About Eve, and both of them won Best Picture. 
Now you have The Shape of Water with 13 nominations. Uh, it's up for picture, director, screenplay, actress, supporting actress, supporting actor, and a whole bunch of technicals. Now, I believe it's going to win in the production design and original score categories. And if Guillermo del Toro wins, uh, this picture has a real shot at winning best picture. Now, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, is going to be hurt by two things. It's going to be hurt mm. by the fact that Martin McDonough is not nominated for Best Director, and it didn't get nominated for uh, the uh, Writers Guild Award this year. It, it was overlooked completely. But it did win four mm. Golden Globe Awards, Sam Rockwell, Francis McDormand, Original Screenplay, and Best Picture. Now, let's talk about the theme of each three films here as we wrap this up. Get Out and The Shape of Water are about science fiction and fantasy. We have the medical procedure in Get Out, which is a product of science fiction. We also have The Shape of Water, where we have a creature, looks like it's half human, half aquatic, brought back from the Amazon. These themes don't bother me one bit, just like no other fantasy film has ever bothered me in history. Star Wars, pictures like that that were nominated for Best Picture and didn't win. The Academy has a problem with comedy, science fiction, or any kind of fantasy film winning Best Picture. They've only given mm. this to Best Picture once to a fantasy film, and that was Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King in 2003, and that only won because the literature had been around for 20, 30, 50 years, I think it was. I think uh, that was first published in 1955. So the literature had been around for about 48 years beforehand, and it won Best Picture. But Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is a real old-fashioned drama. It's a human character story. It's a good human drama. And uh, I think it has a really good chance at, uh, at winning Best Picture. And it is my pick for winning Best Picture this year. I think it's going to cross the finish line. But I could easily live with the other two because I love those films a lot. In fact, at the video store today, I filled out a ballot and I picked uh, three billboards. You only had to pick Best Picture, no other category. And if you're yeah. right, your name goes into a pile with the other people that picked it, and the prize at the video store is you get a copy of each movie nominated for Best Picture this year. So fingers crossed on that one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So that's, that's pretty really much like it. Your... So it was, a, it, was, it was an excellent year for, for movies. I saw 36 films in wow. – um, in, yeah, in 2017, and my top ten films of the year were Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Victoria and Abdul, Blade Runner 2049, The Shape of Water, Baby Driver, The Post, The Disaster Artist, Dunkirk, Get Out, and that was in order, by the way, from ten to two. And number one, my favorite film was Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. I loved it. I just thought it was a great, moving uh, human drama, and I can't say enough about it. Yeah, I just saw Baby Driver. It was it was uh, fantastic, fantastic. You know that and is I a really very like that, that, it, it's a yeah, very go good ahead. film. Um, it's it's from uh, I think it's Edgar Wright. He made. Uh, you yeah, ever, did you uh -huh. ever see uh, Hot Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead in the last decade? I've he made those two those. films. Uh, Shaun oh, of the okay. Dead is a is a hilarious zombie comedy. I mean, we always think about zombies as being horrible things, and for the most part, they are. But he turned that film into a comedy, and it was very well done. And then Hot Fuzz is about a cop who is so good at his job. It's with Simon Pegg. So is Shaun of the Dead, by the way. Um, Simon Pegg is so good in Hot Fuzz as a police officer that his, uh, his fellow officers want to see him fail and try to set him up to fail. So Edgar Wright has had some, some very good uh, films in the past. 
that have been great for editing, great for sound mixing. Uh, he's he's a great director technically, and Baby Driver has some of the best action scenes that I've seen in quite a few years, actually. And of course, I like the humor, and I like the fact that we have uh, uh, some really good action in the film. It really makes the picture run. Yeah, I've seen Baby Driver three times actually. So it was wow. it was a very good year for film, very good year for film in general, and I'm already looking forward to uh, the movies coming out this year. Amazing. So maybe maybe we really can maybe you. we can do it. I'm just gonna say maybe we'll do a show about some of the previews of some films coming out in in 2018. Be a pleasure to chat with you again on that. Oh, absolutely, man! I really like your analysis. I'm just wondering when we're gonna see a book out of you, a book or a radio show. Well, I don't know. I've I've thought about that. I have the YouTube channel. Um, I have the blog. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just, I've, I, <laughs> writing a book is a big task. It's a big task, and uh, maybe it's one I'll tackle in a couple of years. But uh, uh, right now, you know, I I spend a lot of my time at home. Uh, you know, searching the history of film. But I'm also a home caregiver to my father. Uh, who will right. be 90 years old next month. Uh, March 26th is his 90th birthday. And I've been his home caregiver for a lot of years. And no complaints. Yeah. I'd go back and do it all again if I could. But uh, that takes up a lot of my time. But uh, I'm just right. so thankful for the digital age that we live in now. And uh, a lot of my time can be spent during the day looking after him. And when I have all my time around the house, I go online and I'm always studying film history. And I never get tired of film. I mean, I like the movies now and the Oscars as much now as I did when I was younger. And there's not too many things you can say that about when you get older. When you get older, <laughs> you know, you're kind of set in your ways and that, but I still like watching the Oscars every year. And I, and yeah. people say to me, why do you like the Oscars? I mean, they get a lot of criticism. Look at last year. Look at how Best Picture went last year. That fiasco where they announced the wrong movie. You know, they announced yeah. the La La Land, and Moonlight was the actual winner. People say, why do you like to watch the Oscars? It's for things like that. We're all human. We all make mistakes. And watching things like that, it was interesting. And I like to see what Hollywood thinks of itself, because one thing we should get clear, maybe most people don't know this, people have said to me, who votes for the Oscars? You know, And I say it's Hollywood itself. It's writers and directors and actors and technicians, and they vote for themselves. So who better to judge a group than your own peers, right? You know, Right. Yep. Okay. Before I let you go, just uh, put out uh, the address of your blog and your YouTube channel, or, or anything else you want to say. Well, my blog can be found um, at um, when you go into the uh, the Google page for blogs. Actually, my blog is uh, this is all one together, all lowercase, all spaced together. Retro Film Reviews sixty five dot blogspot dot ca and um i've got mostly i've got stuff on there um i started writing online back in the late 90s i've got a lot of film reviews that were current back then from about 1996 to 2000 and peppered in between every now and then is a retro film review of something from the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and even films going back to the 40s and 50s but it was mostly contemporary films and over the last few years i've only written a few because uh some of my personal obligations take up a lot of my time, and I've only written the odd review here and there over the last right. 10 or 15 years. Yeah, so I'll thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to uh, bring that to the to the audience. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Walter, well, I had a really good time, so you have a great night, and uh, enjoy the Oscars. 
Oh, well, thank you very much, William. I will. You as well. And uh, it was a real pleasure being on once again, and I look forward to it down the road. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Okay. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks out there in Radio Land, remember to go to kingofdcmedia.com, and uh, there's a lot of uh, updates about the show out there. Again, that's uh, kingofdcmedia.com. That's my w- website. Also, Facebook, william.t.pal. And Twitter is inside underbar acting. And as always, please, please, please remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Good night. Under the dark you pacify me Hold my breath Take me down, I won't fight Beat on my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one can find out